So we had a follow-up question to one love of our episodes. follow-up questions. Yes. That means people are engaging. I know. I love okay, it, too. Good. So this was for a follow-up question for episode five. Episode five. Oh, that was when you talked about your story. Yes. So yes. it was our, like, race and fear episode. Yeah, that was a that was a bit. I felt like that was a really good one. It was a big episode. I, I mean, like, if I, yes. can I say that about I, our, was, I thought it was really good. <laughs> if you haven't listened to it, you need to go do back it. and watch episode five. Yes, you do, because we're about to do a follow-up question. Yeah. So okay, listen to that first. All right. And this follow-up question is about white privilege. So before I even start, in case our listeners don't know, like the definition of white privilege, I want to start there. Well, I want you to know, I've never heard the definition of white privilege. I looked it up. I Googled it. Okay, good. So Google told me what it was. Okay. Okay. White privilege is the inherent advantages post by a white, possessed by a white person. Sorry. Okay, hold it. Say that one more time. That's okay. All right, all right. uh, We'll start. (laughs) We we do it. Okay. So white privilege. It's the inherent advantages possessed by a white person on the basis of their race in a society characterized by racial inequality and injustice. Okay. Because there's inequality and justice. Yes. As a result of that, that the people that are not in the minority then have extra privilege. Exactly. Is that right? That's exactly right. Okay. So... David, mm. you're on the hot seat today. Ooh. I'm going to be asking you questions about this topic. Okay, because I ready? put you on the hot I seat. Know. You had to share your story. Follow so, okay, I got it. Okay. So, do you believe in the concept of white privilege? Okay, this is going on the world wide web. Are you ready and for all this? of the, okay. Forever. Forever. Yes. Um, okay, so I, I'm going to I'm going to take a step back, and I would say that like 15 years ago, I would have not had a clue about white privilege would have said no way no how are you kidding me okay there are i mean i could be the reason why i say this is because i grew up in a very poor home like well i should i should make that like i didn't grow up originally in a poor home but when my parents got divorced we lost everything Uh, we didn't have food in our home and the shelves. I mean, I mean, we grew up really poor. Okay. And so then to get married, get a job, finally buy my own house. I'm like, come on. You're feeling How it. can you say there's white privilege? I was poor as well. And so okay. I was able to work my way up. Who else don't can't? give me, don't give me the, there's the white privilege Excuses thing. Excuses is how you feel. I, exactly. Okay. Felt, right. I would say. Yes. Okay. Okay. So what made you, what what or who made you I change I had a radical mind? change. Okay. Really, almost like a conversion experience. Ooh, okay. I know. I can't wait to hear about so it. So our former lead pastor, um, Don Lewis, great pastor. He's African-American. Mm-hmm. He came uh, into our church, our staff, which was comprised of all white people. And slowly, in a very uh, gracious way, kind of peeled back like things that we were blinded to, that I was blind. I'm not going to put put, put on anyone else, okay. but things that I was blinded to. Mm-hmm. And one of the conversations that he had with me that totally changed my perspective was um, that he helped me understand that there were generations of people that lived in poverty the black community because, can I say black, right? And we talked about this. Yes. Yes. Okay. That lived in poverty because they didn't have the same advantages or opportunities that growing up in a white neighborhood afforded us. Okay. Okay. And so even though I was in a poor home, in a 
poor environment, I still, to some degree, had my mom and my dad in the home. Mm -hmm. I uh, wasn't living in a neighborhood in which it was like, we could say blighted, like, right? There wasn't, I wasn't fearful for my life. I wasn't fearful that people were putting me down. I wasn't fearful about, uh, you know, all of those. It wasn't dangerous. It wasn't dangerous, right? I mean, there was in, in, there was a, there was a safe context. Uh, The police officers that, that, I, you know, happened to engage with maybe when I got pulled over for speeding, they were white like me. And he began to talk about how as a black person or a half white, half black, like there's almost an intimidation factor of somebody that's different than you that has power over you. Mm-hmm. And for me, like kind of understanding that that historical perspective of saying, hey, they they didn't have the same same history and same lineage as you did. I mean, they came out of slavery and how they had to slowly kind of then work themselves through all the Jim Crow stuff, all of the all of the laws that said, okay, you can only drink from a you know a, a, a colored fountain, you yes. can drink from a white fountain. Those are things that my history, my heritage, we didn't have to deal with. Mm-hmm. And so, as a result of the history that they had, weren't able to come to the same place that I was able to. I don't feel like I'm exp- explaining it well no, enough. No, that's but interesting. For me, it was like it was like a light bulb that went on that was like, oh my gosh. Of like, realizing the building blocks didn't put you on the same plane. Thank field. you. That's you said it way better than okay. I was. Oh, thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> no. But the, but 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 seriously, like that like kind of really opened my eyes like, oh my goodness, I did have more privilege and I didn't realize it. Oh, we could talk about schools. I live in Johnson County. I don't live in, you know, Kansas City, Missouri, where it's a more of an African-American community. The advantage that I had just in the schools in Johnson County alone is way vastly different than yeah. a kid that goes to school in Kansas City, Missouri. Mm-hmm. I was prepped for college. You know, some of those kids, uh, they don't have, you know, they didn't have all the luxuries that I had. Even though I was in a poor community, I still had those opportunities. Yeah, that's interesting. And that was hard for me, I think, to kind of see and understand. But again... Uh, communicating with him and having those conversations over and over and over, I think helped reveal like, oh my gosh, yes, there is such a thing as white privilege and white people don't tend to see that. Yeah. How do you think we could maybe do a better job of educating up in like even your kids or anybody? How could we do a better job? I I think two things helped me tremendously. One is that um, I had a conversation with somebody who was African-American and it wasn't contentious. Mm -hmm. He wasn't trying to prove his point. I wasn't trying to prove my point. We shared life experiences together with each other. And I think as a result of hearing some of his stories about how he was fearful of the police. And then he shared stories about how, uh, and we should have him on this podcast. I think we should. We should do that and and have him share some of his experiences with the police that that I, like, again, have even a hard time even believing. Okay. But, like, they were fearful of the police mm-hmm. because of things that were happening. Of course, he grew up in in, um, in California and Oakland mm-hmm. and all that in different kind of context. But still, yeah, um, yeah all those things. So so having conversations, one, I think is great. Okay. So we're, it's yeah. not contentious, but we're yes. really having a dialogue. And then I think, too, the other thing that I would say is, for me, traveling outside of the United States 
helps you have a way bigger perspective. Because when I traveled overseas and am in countries like Latin America or countries in Asia or Vietnam or, I mean, just different in Africa, mm-hmm. you tend to see that even though I considered myself poor, I was wealthy compared to any other culture that I visited yeah. in my missions experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that helps you realize, oh my goodness, I do have some of that kind of white privilege. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. So that's how to answer that yeah. question. Great job answering those questions. Okay. Whew. Well, if you guys okay. have any more questions, please feel free to send them in. As yes. always, we love answering your questions and any follow-up questions, let us know. Okay. So I was thinking about this idea of like white privilege and the idea of, and I don't know if you've heard about, I'm sure you have, but like these parents who paid big money to get their kids into college. Like to me, that's a prime example of like white privilege. Okay. I've got the, I mean, this is to the extreme, right? I don't have that kind of cash, but still they have- $500,000? A half a million dollars to get your kids into school. Yes. Let me, let me state here- For the record, okay. that I am a Hallmark fan. Okay. And Lori Laughlin is like kind of like a, a queen on Hallmark. She's kind of a big deal. So how did that make you feel? Oh, my goodness. Well, first of all, I will say that it's awful. And okay. they should definitely have like their things. Their day in court. Yes. And they've got a, yeah. I don't think I was like as up in arms about it as other people. Because okay. I don't think that getting into college is fair. Like okay. I wasn't like, well, it's totally fair. Before they did this, it was totally fair. Oh, so, so you meant the whole college admission process yeah, it, in itself is it's, not fair. It's yes, subjective. Exactly. And similar okay. to the white privilege, I thought like, yes. well, the kids who like grow up in poor schools, they're not getting prepped to go to college. It's already skewed yeah. for like a wealthier population. So exactly. I think kind of like I was like, well, I mean. Well, I'm telling you, I as a white person, I'm up in arms. Yes. <laughs> no, seriously, because I'm just thinking a half a million dollars to get your kids into a school. And some of these kids didn't even want to go to college. I know. Like that's really Isn't tragic. That awful? It's really bad. And I'm like. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really embarrassing. It's, it's the extreme example of white privilege. I've got the money so that I can force my way into whatever institution I want to be in. Yes. And there's just something that that is not right about And what that. happened to like old fashioned donations and getting like a planetarium in your name or something? Like, <laughs> right. are we Put like, your what? name on the billboard or on the, on the building <laughs> and then you're able to have it. Right. Exactly. exactly. Are no, we done with that's that? That's true. <laughs> but no, I read in one of the articles, again, I'm not trying to point my finger at people. They're going to have their day in court and that that's fine. But like one, like one of the parents had a 36-year-old Harvard graduate take the test, the ACT test really? for their daughter. Oh, snap. And he got a 35, 99th, wow. like, you percentile. know. Yeah, percentile. Oh, my. Right? So, so she got a scholarship. $50,000 to <laughs> pay him to take the test in order for her daughter to get in. Yeah. Well, I know. Hopefully, she Ouch. graduated. Because what are all these kids going to do now? Like, are that, they kicked out? That's the, that's what. And some oh, of them are getting kicked bad. out. I feel really bad about that. I know. That. Yeah. I mean, hopefully, they're good students. But yeah. if they don't want to go to college, then leave, please. I know, right? <laughs> give somebody else your yeah. spot. That, and then I think that's the big <laughs> deal. That give everybody else an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you brought something up that I wanted to kind of dive down a little bit deeper. And you just said like children of color or or maybe in the minorities, they might have a hard time getting into these schools. Did, did you yeah. have a hard time getting into school or your siblings or what? Well, H- how was that for you growing up? I think, you know, I mean, I went to a huge school. I went to a public school in California, a huge okay. school. Um, but I think I just saw we weren't well off, you know, growing up or anything. So I you think didn't have a half a million dollars to plunk no. down to get into the I'm right sure school? I'm sure you can't tell. But, um, <laughs> okay. No, I just, I think that I like kind of saw it from that perspective initially of just like some people whose like parents were willing to 
put them in more sports or put them in whatever. Yeah. They're prepping them at a young age yeah. to get into college. It's already mm-hmm. skewed if you're more wealthy to be in club sports and do whatever yep. to try to get them into better. No, well, I was I was reading earlier. This was like a year or two ago. Like some of these parents like spend big bucks just to get their kids into the right like preschool. Yes. Like when they're born, they sign their kids up to get them into preschool. This is like in New York, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. they're signing them up so that they can get into the right schools because they know if they're in the right school, it's going to get them into the right college, Start which is going to get them in the right job, right? It's crazy, I right? Know, right? I know. They, well, even think like if if you could afford like maybe a, an SAT tutor. If you could, yes. like, just little That's things that other, give you yeah. a stepping stone to so getting what, into college. At what line is fair then? I don't know. I don't really think it is fair. Yeah. I just think, like, it's at not. At the end of the day, it's just not. Yes, but I don't, I feel like, I feel like, I don't know, maybe more like people getting in might know that, and maybe people like that far out of it don't remember that it just wasn't ever fair. Okay. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Where you're kind of like, it's not fair. I mean, it yeah. stinks, and they should definitely. But see, but you have like, a really good attitude. <laughs> I, I'm, seriously, because I don't think a lot of people have that. They begin to complain and like get really upset and frustrated because it's not fair and yeah. that we, they shouldn't be doing that. And people start pointing the fingers. Yes. And they get into this whole attitude of like complaining, and it just. Oh, my goodness. Complain doesn't get you very far in life. I don't think it does. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It gets you noticed, but does it get very you true. But does it get you far in life? Very I don't true. Know. And we see that in the church. Can yes. I switch subjects now? Please. Please Because this do. is one of my pet peeves. As what, a pastor, can I get on my soapbox right now? Please. There's this thing that I think we bring in. It's this the white privilege, the college, the SATs, the we have to have things our way. And and if we're not pleased, if we're not, if things don't go our way, then we start pointing the finger and we get upset and we complain. And we bring that into the church. Yeah. Have you ever noticed that? Well, Jen, I, yeah. I mean, I feel like people definitely want they want a specific environment. Whatever it is, they might not agree when they come into a church. They're wanting something they out come of it. in with a preconceived most people come yes. in with a preconceived idea. Yes. yes. What's like the biggest critique or complaint that you get here? Oh, I'm sure you can guess. So here at, at our own church, yes. right? Like the, the 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 main common like complaints that I've gotten are about the worship. Yes. Right? Yep. It's too loud. It's too soft. It's not contemporary enough. It's too contemporary. It's <laughs> you're not playing the songs that I used to play. I want scripture songs. I want hymns. I want your. It's they not want like, it all. Oh, and, and it's not just old people. It's young people too. I get yes. young people who are like, you got to turn it up. It's not loud enough. What's wrong with you? I can't. I want you to turn off the lights because I can't worship unless the lights are off. I mean, yes. these are all the complaints that people have. Oh, I totally see that. That's, yeah, that's a big hot topic. And and I tell you, it drives me crazy. But the the thing is, is that I've got to point the finger myself because I I am raising my hand and putting my head down. I was a big complainer too. Yeah. I really was. Was were you also as complaining a, about worship? As an, no, as an associate pastor. Ooh, okay. Is, dumb dumb I'm dumb. Like, pastor Don, I don't know if you're watching this or not, but I served <laughs> under Pastor Don and he's a great pastor, but you know what happens is that we tend to bring like, how come they're not doing that? And how come he's not preaching this? Yeah. And why aren't they saying this? And if I was in charge. Yes, that's a big one. Right? Yeah. I would do, I would have the lights full board and we'd sing hymns. <laughs> or, or I have all the lights off and turn up the sound and yes. everybody would be worshiping. It's just a Bethel music concert. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and what happens is all of that is subjective mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, we're a multi-generational Mm-hmm. Right, multi-ethnic church. Yeah, and so what's good for what's good for one set of people is not necessarily good for something somebody yeah. else, right? Yeah, totally. And we have to be able to reach across the board. We're in a sense, and I know people understand this, but they don't know it, and that is that we're family. 
Mm-hmm. And family sometimes means you don't get what you want. Mm. So what was the hardest part for me is that it was easy for me to be the associate pastor, to point my finger and say, well, if I was in charge, I would do this. And now I'm in charge. And what are you doing? And it's tough, (laughs) right? You're getting all the complaints. Yeah. People think, man, if I was in charge, it'd all be good. Well, no, you don't realize, man, that you want the betterment of the church. You want want to be able to have people grow in their walk with the Lord. And I want to make sure that the the older crowd really can have an experience with Christ. But I also want to make sure that the, the 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 Gen Xers can can also put their roots in deep, yeah. and then we have millennials, and you know how can we all get along? How can we all get along? I know. Can we I all know. get along? Yes, Rodney King. Well, so so Paul has this to say. He says uh, that we're uh, not. To, to, he says do everything. And I thought this was really interesting. I don't want to preach, but do everything without grumbling or arguing. Hmm. Easier said than done, a but I like it. I like done. that even of that mantle of just being like, that's that's our goal. Yeah. That's what we're striving towards. So okay, so I want to. So here's a phrase okay. that I want everyone in our church, and I think it doesn't matter what church you go to, that I would love for everyone to adopt. Okay, I'm going to preach on this at some point. Okay, and that is, I want people to have a critical eye, but not a negative spirit. Okay. Okay. It's okay to have a critical eye. Like Mm -hmm. we want to get better. Right. Like if I'm not preaching good enough or I'm saying something that's wrong or the building doesn't look good or maybe the sound is off or whatever, it's okay to have that critical eye, but don't be negative. Don't have a negative spirit. I don't know about you, but when I, when I tend to complain, what happens is I become negative Mm -hmm. and I'm filled with all this negativity. And what happens is that I actually draw further away from God when I begin to complain. Like it Mm -hmm. It affects me and it affects my spirit. Yeah. Have you ever had that those moments in yourself? Yeah. Well, where you're... I'm like, uh, I would say that I have a, I'm blunt. I have a blunt personality. But I would say that like I ha- haven't always like when people would say that. I think um, a lot of times you like you're actually rude. Yeah. And there's like a difference between that of being yeah. blunt and being rude. Yeah. And I think that was something for me of like a complaining is like that's being rude like nobody yeah. asked for your opinion you're just you're opinionated you're in people's yeah. faces nobody asked you a question so really it's the same kind of thing yes. blunt and rude with being negative or having a critical eye because exactly. I, I think sometimes we think oh you're being critical that's a negative thing but I don't necessarily think that I think if we can look at being critical in the sense of I've got an eye to make things better yes. that's okay totally and I think but it's the all same with the thing. attitude yes. yes because I think like my bluntness for instance I think if you lead with kindness if you're asked a question, yeah. then somebody can expect honesty. And I think right. that's good. And it's right. the same thing with the critical. Like yeah. you are, if you're coming into it with grace and kindness, and then it's a different playing field. Yeah. So I'm going to kind of puff you up just a little bit. Like yeah. I love the way that you approach me about the podcast. Ooh. Like I wish everyone in the church had this kind of perspective. Like I hate it when people complain and they're just pointing the finger and they want you to fix it, but they don't want to kind of get in the trenches and help you. Yeah. Right? Here I am. No. And here you are, right? And I said, and you said, man, we need to do a podcast. We need to do a podcast. And I said, well, do you want to help me do it? And you're like, oh, I don't know. I was like, well. But the, but then you said yes, and we are collaborating and doing this together. And yeah. because you approached it in such a positive way, I'm like, yeah, let's do this. Yay. No, we can't do that with everybody, right? right? We can't do every kind of thing that everyone wants to do. But the idea of your positive spirit, you're like, hey, I believe in this church. I believe in the mission. Man, that's what we want. We're all in it together. I yeah. mean, at the end of the day, hopefully everybody says, we want to grow the church so more people can come to know Jesus. Yes, totally. And we're only going to do that if we have a positive spirit, not, not a negative. 
negative spirits. Agreed. Right? Yeah. But we still need the critical eye that says we can get better. You do because right? it, you're only going to improve that way. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. I love it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just going to say one more time. Don't forget yeah. to subscribe. Yep. Don't forget to follow us. Okay. And as always, send us your questions. We're happy to answer them.